Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I am J.P. Hornstrom with the Southern California News Group. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, and Workman Like Wednesday. There's no workman like Wednesday. Like, what is Wednesday after Thanksgiving? It should be a thing, right? What is it? Anyway, doing a Hall of Fame episode this week. Seems like a good time to do one. Ballots were being mailed out this week. I got mine. It's the second of my voting career. I can honestly say I don't know who I'm going to vote for. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you because philosophically, I'm a supporter of secret balloting. I know I'm in the minority there. So I wrote a column explaining why I think the private ballots ought to be preserved. And you can go check that out at otcregister.com, dailynews.com, or any Southern California News Group website. Until Jacob deGrom signed with the Rangers on Friday, it was feeling like a fairly slow week for hot stove action. Calm before the proverbial storm. The winter meetings are convening next week in San Diego. It sounds like the Aaron Judge market is winnowing. With the Giants and the Yankees, the two interested parties in the offseason's biggest free agent, Trey Turner might not be far behind in his signing process. The Phillies are perceived to be the favorites to lure him away from the Dodgers. I haven't heard much about Cody Bellinger's market, only that he is seeking a one-year contract. Some interested teams out there, including the Dodgers. Justin Turner, Andrew Heaney, technically Clayton Kershaw, are all still free agents. And that's a lot of uncertainty to fill an entire episode with idle hot stove speculation. So I invited Sean Green back to discuss the Hall of Fame ballot, specifically the three guys on the ballot that he played with, including Jason Wirth. I had totally forgotten that the Dodgers were Jason Wirth's third organization. Sean reminded me that he was drafted by the Orioles, traded to the Blue Jays as a minor leaguer, And Jason Wirth isn't a Hall of Famer, but he had a good to great career that is worth remembering nonetheless. Some other ex-Dodgers are on this ballot. Andre Ethier is on there. Jeff Kent is on for the 10th and final time, win or lose. Briefly a Dodger, Bobby Abreu, and Bronson Arroyo too. Does everyone remember that Bronson Arroyo was a Dodger? He was one of the 12 players involved in a three-team trade in 1995 involving the Dodgers, the Reds, and the Braves. 
Matt Latos, Alex Wood, and Luis Avalon were the guys the Dodgers really wanted, but they had to take on Arroyo's contract. And because he was too hurt to pitch, they basically managed him to Camelback Ranch. Now, the last time I was reminded of this before this week was at the ring presentation ceremony before the Dodgers 2021 home opener. Do you all remember that? Every player who was on the 2020 team got their ring and they got a personalized video from another player who was their favorite as a younger person. Ricky Henderson made a video for Dave Roberts. Albert Pujols had a message for Will Smith. And Bronson Arroyo had a message for Walker Bueller. He actually sang Wonderwall by Oasis while strumming his guitar. And afterward, Bueller said that the two pitchers got to know each other while they were working out at Camelback Ranch during that brief sliver of overlap in their careers. That was the connection. I love that. Anyway, good luck to Arroyo, Ethier, Kent, Abreu, and Jason Worth. And now let's bring on Sean. Sean, thanks for joining me. Yeah, happy to be here. I was straining long and hard to think about how to put a Hall of Fame-centric episode together, and I was thinking, well, it would be great if I could get a Hall of Fame voter. It would be great if I could get somebody who played with a bunch of these guys and against a bunch of these guys during his career. And then I realized, wait, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and you played with a bunch of these guys and against a bunch of these guys. <laughs> there you um, go. Two, two of the players who are appearing on the ballot for the first time were two of your former teammates, and I wanted to start with one who you played with earlier in your career with the Dodgers, and that was Jason Worth. Now, like, like I think we're all realistic about Jason Worth's chances of being in the Hall of Fame someday, but the fact that he's on the ballot here for the first, possibly only time, gives us a chance to recognize what amounted to a very good career in the game. I, what were your memories of him as a player and, and as a teammate, Sean? Yeah, so he got drafted, I believe, in the first round by Baltimore and um, kind of bounced around a little bit and went to Toronto and then to L.A. And he's sort of losing, I think, his prospect luster a little bit. Um, and when he got to L.A. in 04, I was, I was like, man, this guy's potentially be a five-tool player. He's you know, got the perfect baseball body, got a great arm, runs, has power. In fact, it got to the point in 04 where his, his high fives were hurting me. So I, I had to do a special handshake <laughs> to not, cause he had so much like, you said like a heavy high five, which is like kind of really, I think indicative of how much power he had as like a wiry guy. And, <sighs> and he just started to kind of blossom that year and improve and then went to Philly. And that's, you know, I think where he made his mark, not only as, a guy who could do a lot of things on the field, but as a guy who, you know, he kind of grew the, the beard and the hair and, and just kind of created this persona of, you know, a, a kind of a scrappy um, leader and fit really well into those, you know, those World Series teams that the Phillies had in, in 08 and then went there and lost to the Yankees in 09. Yep, only an all-star once in his career, but he did receive MVP votes in four different seasons. I think the leadership component was probably a big part of that. The fact that he played on some really good teams over his career speaks to that. 
And I've never heard what he would be say that about another, that his high fives were so heavy that he preferred the handshake. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm serious. Like, there's, he, he just had so much. I don't know. It's, it's, it's the same thing I think it's a hitter. Like, some guys, like, they just can transfer that power. It's like, I guess, you know, a boxer, karate. Like, some people can just transfer that, that energy, the power, if you're you know, the chi, whatever you want to call it. And he had a lot of that. And, you know, it's this point where my elbow, like, he, he hit my arm so hard down that it was kind of like, you know, flex my elbow. Um, but, yeah, it's it really was, like, kind of what he had. He had that extra kind of life force that he was able to transfer to the field, whether he's throwing a ball or hitting a ball. Use the force, Jason, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somewhat different player in terms of the scope of his career and, and the talent would be Carlos Beltran, with whom you played in New York uh, toward the end of your career, toward the middle of his. And his is an interesting Hall of Fame case, and we can get into that, but just what were your memories of him as a, a player and as a teammate? Yeah, playing against him, I remember he came up in 99 up in Toronto, and he was a rookie in Kansas City, one rookie of the year. But he's just like, he was just a beautiful player. And just a, you know, if you could say, you know, describe me like the ultimate baseball player, it would be him. A switch hitter, beautiful swing from both sides, glides in the outfield, runs really well, long leg that, you know, just covered a ton of ground, um, could feel bases, you know, hit for average and power from both sides. And he was another. He was a five-tool player as a switch hitter, and you know, just kind of—he's just a baseball, just a baseball player. And um, you know, when I look back on my career, there's a handful of guys that, that really fit that mold, and, and he was—he was for sure. Another guy would be like you know Robbie Allen, yeah. kind of bred to be a baseball player. Um, and you knew, you know, guys who are really good switch hitters and have beautiful sweeps on both sides, you know they kind of grew up and they're, you know, they had someone, you know, likely a, likely a father, you know, maybe someone else in their life that, that took them under the wings and taught them the game from an early age, and, and that was, was Carlos Beltran. That's an interesting comp there because Roberto Alomar, of course, uh, also from Puerto Rico, and Beltran from Puerto Rico. You wonder if there was some coaching overlap that, you know, taught them how to switch hit or to move so well on the feet like you never know it's kind of a small world even a small world within a small world if you grow up on the island Beltran had a 20-year career he had 435 homers he had 312 steals a career 279 hitter which was brought down a little bit by his last year in Houston but I am really interested to see how, if anything, the tarnish of the Astros cheating scandal transfers onto Beltran because, let's face it, he was the only player who was identified as participating in the scheme in uh, the official report from Rob Manfred. I, I just don't know that that one incident at the end of the career overshadows the 20 years that came before it. I, I don't think it would for me as a voter. Yeah, I don't I don't think it, it should. I mean, he is, for me, a Hall of Famer. It's whether... I, I don't know if he's you know, a, a first ballot or like a really high, it's not like, you know, Derek Jeter going in, that's, you know, no question or Mariano Rivera. Um, I, I think he's, he's definitely had, he, he had the longevity. He had, you know, all of the, the accolades, nine all-stars rookie of the year. Uh, he had a, a bunch of, you know, big seasons. And I, you know, I think a lot of guys that go in the hall of fame, um, it's not like they have a 20 year career where, 
they're an all-star or playing all-star caliber baseball every year. And there's, right. there could be, you know, seven, eight, ten of those years that are, you know, mediocre. And then to have, if you have like five incredible years and 15 solid years, like you're going to put up Hall of Fame numbers. Um, so I think, I think a big part of Hall of Fame is, is the longevity because to have a 10 to 15 year career with half of those being incredible, I don't, that probably doesn't usually make the Hall of Fame. Um, maybe the 15 is kind of where you start to get to that point. But, you know, having a 20 year career with nine all-stars and, and the kind of numbers that he ended up with, I, you know, he's, he's got to be in there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the defense, the defense is another factor that uh, he was, he was so smooth out there and, you know, I don't know how many gold gloves he, he won, but um, he was he was always a guy considered to be a, a top center fielder. Yeah, three-time gold glove winner in his career and definitely had the range. Um, you know, and you never know. Like some years, it's just harder to win a gold glove because you have really good outfielders in the league that you're playing in. Um, but, yeah, especially uh, in center field, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So three probably could have won more depending on how... His career shook out. Sean, the one former teammate of yours who I also wanted to talk about, maybe you can convince me that he belongs in my top ten here, uh, is Billy Wagner. Uh, Billy Wagner is somebody I would consider voting for, but he just he had ten guys ahead of him on my ballot last year, and so he didn't make the cut. But I think with some of the guys who are not on the ballot this year, uh, but were last year, there might be room for me to vote for Billy Wagner. What what were your memories of him as a player and as a teammate? He's just a you know a, a top tier closer. So you know in that era, Mariano is the gold standard. Um, I would say Billy was Billy Wagner and and Trevor Hoffman. You know were kind of the two nationally guys that were dominant and. Trevor's in the Hall of Fame. I don't know exactly where Wagner's numbers, um, how they compare to Trevor's, but um, yeah, he was, you know, he was an elite closer in a stretch where, you know, where closers were probably more valued than they are today. I mean, I think prior to the the nineties, like closers were kind of coming on, like you had, you know, Bruce Suter, Raleigh Fingers, that kind of goose gossip, that's kind of when the closer role started to take shape. And then they were, they were really valued in for the next maybe 20 years. And now there's some, some teams value them a lot and others kind of go bullpen by committee. Um, I value closers a lot. I think it's, you know, as a player, it's a big difference having, you know, the years that Eric Gagne was dominant. It was, it was a different, it was a different game we played. You know, it was a shorter game. It, set the breast of the bullpen up, set, gave the starting pitchers the confidence to know, hey, if I, if I get to the lineup two, two, two and a half times and turn the ball over, you know, it's, this game's going to be over. And, and I think um, if you value closers, then I think Wagner, you know, eventually should get in. I, I think it makes sense the way it's kind of gone. I, I think he'll get in. I don't think he's like a, you know, first, second, third ballot guy, but, you know, I think eventually he gets in. Yeah. It, it, kind of the opposite of what we were talking about previously. This guy had 14 full major league seasons, and really, 13 of them were amazing. <laughs> he yeah. just you knew what you were going to get every year with this guy, uh, and that was with the Astros and the Phillies and the Mets, and uh, that one last year with Atlanta. 
This is his 30, age 38 season. He went 7-2, 143 ERA, 37 saves, he had 44 chances, and he made the all-star team. And that was his last season. The guy went out on top. And yeah. I, that, I mean, sometimes that's the way you want to do it, right? Just go out on top. And Billy Wagner certainly did that. I think that if you compare him to other closers, it's really hard to leave him out. I think some of those guys that you mentioned are in because of how they pioneered the role. Wagner doesn't really fit in as a pioneer. He doesn't really fit in as a guy who was, you know, that high up on the all-time saves list. I mean, 422 saves is not easy to accumulate, and we're not seeing guys get that number anymore. But if you do look at the all-time saves leaderboard, there are five guys ahead of him. Maybe that's prohibitive to some voters. I don't know. Um I think for me, he's he's definitely got a chance to get in my top ten once I sit down and uh, look at the ballot. But that's this is good feedback, Sean. You have not heard his chances of getting on one voter's ballot. Yeah, no, I I, I think he could. You know, it could end up being, you know, with I don't know what do you call the uh, the players, the former player vote. Like I, I think yeah. he's just one of those guys that that's right there, and it's it's a really strong argument. I think he's never a sure thing in, in any vote, but um, there's plenty of guys that have gotten in, um, I think, with with kind of less of a resume um, than he has. So hopefully he gets in. You know, he's a good guy. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that he had, you know, Mariano had the, you know, the identity as this kind of one-pitch cutter guy through through hard. And then Wagner was a guy, he really used to do 100 miles an hour, and, and that was kind of his thing. He'd come after you and, um, and yeah, he's just kind of the, I think just like the ultimate, you know, see if you can hit it kind of closer. And, um, you know, that, that definitely had a little cachet to it. Yeah. The other thing about Mariano, of course, is that he, he played for one team his entire career. And I think with Trevor Hoffman, he is so identified with San Diego that kind of helped yeah. him. I don't think it should, it does. Um, but it does, right? Uh, Wagner, like I said, pitched for, five different teams. So uh, maybe that's her. I don't know. I, to me, just I look at the numbers. I look at the other previous inductees numbers and I say this guy belongs. It's it's pretty simple for me. Yeah. That's it's an interesting point with the one team because I, I do think that makes a big difference because then you get guys, Mariano's a bad example because he was so dominant and greatest, you know, for me, he was the toughest guy I ever faced. Um, but when you play for one team, you start, you know, breaking team records or being in the top, you know, whatever in that, with that ball club, whether it's, you know, number of wins or offensively home runs, you know, RBI, so whatever it is. So I think it, it does make a difference because you see that player move up in, you know, a storied franchises kind of all time number and it, it, it elevates you as, as well as, you know, playing a long time in a place like New York or something like that does help because there's so much media attention there. Well, uh, we'll wrap it up there, Sean. I'm interested to see how this vote goes. I'm interested to see if uh, other voters agree with me uh, on some of these picks. Of course, I only have like one four hundredth of a vote in terms of uh, the actual (laughs) say. So uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I appreciate your insights as always, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Sounds great. Yeah, have a great... uh Hope you had a great Thanksgiving, too, and have have a great holiday coming up. Thanks. Same to you, Sean. All right. Sounds good, JP.
thanks to Sean as always. In case you missed it, the Dodgers did announce one signing on Friday. Shelby Miller gets a one-year contract. Also Friday, right-hander Chris Martin signed a two-year deal with the Boston Red Sox. One right-handed reliever out the door. Another right-handed reliever in for $16 million less. One takeaway for me is that this really does put the Dodgers in line to reset their payroll under the luxury tax threshold for this year. The Dodgers really love those low-risk, high-reward deals. Nothing says low-risk, high-reward more than $1.5 million to a relief pitcher with amazing stuff. And let me check my notes. Not even 20 innings pitched at the big league level since 2019. The kind of deal that has Jimmy Nelson written all over it. As was the case with Nelson, I think whatever high leverage innings we see from Shelby Miller in 2023 are a little more than a nice bonus, but certainly far from a guarantee. Chris Martin was more of a sure thing. Longer track record of success. Lights out with the Dodgers after coming over in a trade with the Cubs. But... He gets a nice $17.5 million guaranteed to pitch for the Red Sox. And evidently, that is too rich for the Dodgers' blood, who have generally been pretty conservative when it comes to spending on their bullpen. We shall see how the payroll decisions pan out. But as of today, if I had to guess, I say the Dodgers are intent on resetting. Certainly is shaping up that way. That'll do it for this week. Might get some new Hall of Famers over the weekend. There's a Veterans Committee voting. Don Mattingly's on the ballot. Former Dodger Fred McGriff is on the ballot. Some guys named Bonds and Clements you might have heard of. We can talk about that next week. Hope you'll join us. If you have not done so, please rate, review, and subscribe helps when you show some love. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.